When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Last week you heard us interview the incredible Julianne Long. But what you don't know is that I have listened to every Julianne Long book I've ever read. And in fact, I am a major consumer of audiobooks of romance novels. I have been embarrassed several times by running into a friend while listening to a romance novel walking around town and then unplugging my headphones by accident so they hear a snippet of a really sexy romance novel when what I meant to do was pause, but I've unhooked the Bluetooth. Anyway, I am constantly listening to romance novels being read to me. And if you do something like that all the time, you start to have really firm opinions as to which actors you prefer and whose voices and accents you like best. And we are so lucky because we got one of my all-time favorite romance novel reader actors on the phone to talk with us today. Her name is Justine Ayer. She reads all of Julianne Long's books to me, which is so generous of her. And she agreed to talk to us in this episode. I'm Vanessa Zoltan, and here's an interview with Justine Ayer on Hot and Bothered. Justine, we are so excited to have you here. I like really am not trying to throw shade on any other romance readers, but you are my favorite romance narrator. And so I would just love to hear a little bit about your process. Do you read the book before you go into the booth? Do you assign your characters like accents and voices ahead of time? What is your process like? I think I approach books in a very filmic, directorial way. So when I am each character, I am that character. And back when I started, my body used to really get into my voice recording, which was not a good thing because back in the day you weren't recording on an iPad, you'd have your script. So my hands would be flying. The script would be on the floor. It was very dramatic. (laughs) So I've calmed that part down. But I want to live in this world. And I want each character to have their own unique voice. And the author has, they're like God in my world, right? So when I read the script, I will make notes. I'm very nerdy like that. And I use physical descriptions to inform me. Like, I want to know what her height is. And is she curvy? And, you know, is her hair curly? Um, 
Do our eyes twinkle? And it's funny because so many people have green eyes in romance novels, men and women. It's like the eye color. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, all those kind of things. Uh, And then the characters live for me. And depending on how I picture them, that's how the voice will come out. And then, of course, I'll use, you know, cues within books in terms of dialect. Do they stutter? Do they come from a certain part of England? And then that will inform how they are. And physically, I still become them to some extent. There are some that will sit taller in the chair. And some days I find I'm slouched over like this and my lungs are, (laughs) but I've been playing him by golly. (laughs) And so, you know, it's captured in my body. But yes, for me, it's very filmic. I feel like all there is is the voice. You don't have the written word that I have. So I have to make that as full for the listener as possible. One of the things that I love about your performances are that I don't get distracted by your reading of men. I feel like often readers, just the voices that they do as men, like I can't suspend my disbelief, right? Like whatever it is, I'm just like, this is a woman doing an impression of a man's voice. Whereas with you, I can follow that so well. And I'm wondering what your training was as an actress. And I'm sure that these other actors are also so well-trained and are amazing and You just speak to my heart differently. But I would love to hear a little bit about your training. Thank you, first of all, for the great compliment. And yes, the male, I so want to differentiate between voices. You know, if there's a room full of three women, they all are coming from different vantage points. And there's nothing worse than recording a page and then going, oh, who was talking? Who is that her or this or that? Because sometimes their dialogue alone won't inform the listener. So male voices are so important and I want to feel like that sexy hero coming in, and I, that has to be mimicked in my voice. And I know my voice has probably dropped <laughs> <laughs> register. Truly, it's very become a little more raspy from yeah. recording males. <laughs> but I did extensive voice work um, starting in my early teens and breathing workshops. Um, I went to academies where all we were doing was working on the voice and making sure you could maintain breathing for long periods of time, not having your voice change over the, you know, in timbre over the form of a day. So if you start at eight and you're ending your day at six, that voice still has to sound the same. So it's really my voice work that's come into play there. And again, I think because I I just want to inhabit each character. And so a higher pitched male voice isn't as compelling uh, for me in the studio. And so the deeper I can get, the better. And sometimes if it feels like I'm going to get a bit of a cold or something, I'm like, oh, it'll make me more smoky. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not necessarily a bad thing. (laughs) But yeah, so that's something that that I really kind of hone and and I'm super hard on myself if I don't quite capture that male voice. Uh, the, the, the sexier, the better. The greater uh, vocal differentiation between the men and the women, the better, because that's life. So I wanted to be very, very clear when I'm, when I'm recording who's who. I'm wondering if you have done romance novels where they've hired different actors to play like the female role and the male role. And how you feel about that. If you're like, that's great. Now I get to inhabit this one role more strongly. Or if you're like, I can do it all. Thank you very much. Well, I'll tell you, there was one one title and I had not been told that there was, you know, different points of view were being given. One was being given to a different narrator. So I sallied forth 
And I did both sides, and uh, but I was uploading nightly. And so about my second day and I got a note, they're like, this is very interesting that you're doing the Michael, well, I can't remember his name of his character, but the Michael character, you know, but that is not yours to be recording. <laughs> it was kind of one of those cartoon moments, you know, where you go, splat, what? <laughs> Um, but usually what you'll do is you'll collaborate with the other actor, you know, and you try and make your voices match. You'll talk a bit about characters and make sure you both have the same vision so that one is not drastically vocally different, because I would imagine that's very jarring to come into a story. And then you go, wait, who's that? That's not Michael. By golly, it's somebody else. Of course, if I can do the whole arc... Yes. Yes. I love it. I love it. <laughs> but it's also great fun sharing and, and um, you know, seeing what magic you can both come up with. And of course, then the great directors match voices well. They'll go, oh, she does men and women kind of in this tone and he does that. And, and then it's a really neat collaboration. Yeah. Ugh, I love all the thought that goes into entertaining me. I just, I'm like, thank you. That is how much thought should go into entertaining me as I make fried rice. <laughs> thank you. It's elevating the fried it rice. It is elevating the fried rice. Absolutely. So I would love to hear you do a lot of fantastic accents. You do, I've heard you do French accents and British accents, and obviously you do not seem to be French or British. I'm wondering how much, <laughs> I I don't know. I'm not here to make assumptions. And also, obviously, a lot of your characters, you do a lot of Regency work. So it's a lot of 19th century sort of ways of speaking. So I'm wondering about how much research you do, what that process is like, or if you're just like God-given talent. Thank you, Vanessa. And that's it. Well, it's funny because my I'm I grew up overseas, Australian and New Zealand parents, and my first accent was British. And so it wasn't until I came to the States to start working that so many times I'd be stopped and they're like, Oh, oh no, this is an American role. And I go, Oh yes, I know. And they go, All right, that's great. <laughs> you just move on. And so then I really started paying attention to uh, using the voices that I already knew about in terms of work. My sister and I would entertain ourselves. We had no television growing up because we were overseas and there was one or two channels and it was not in a language we understood. So we would put on accents. We'd listen to my mom and dad's dinner parties with people who came from all around the world. And that was how we entertained ourselves. We'd imitate them. And, you know, it happened that so you have a little girl, she's a dear friend, and she's an Aussie, and this little girl is now from South Africa. And we just store these accents like kids would nowadays, I guess, store, you know, Pokemon cards. <laughs> it was like, all right, you whip out your Irish girl. I've got my Kiwi over here. Um, so that really stayed with me. And uh, and then in high school, that was a way to entertain my friends. We'd go to a mall, and they're like, okay, Justina, be Australian. And sure enough, I would. And it's funny, the reactions you'd get. With your different voice, st- I look exactly the same, but I people would react to me differently depending on what voice I put forth. So who knew <laughs> that little party trick that my sister and I had all those years ago would really come into play? But my family, I mean, when we all get together, because we're from everywhere in the world, it's a total cacophony of different accents, so much so now that even my children will We'll pick up on it and we'll meet people on the street and they're like, oh, he was from Scotland or he was this mama because we could hear that little twang or something. 
Um, and then my husband's a Texan, and so he's the one who taught me to start, darling, stop, drop, you know, those R's and G's and the endings just got to go. So, you know, <laughs> and I have lovely Southern in-laws, so that all comes into play too. But I'm certainly very comfortable with anything British. Uh, now and then with some of my American texts, I have to make sure, ooh, is it a bean or a bin or a, you know, just make sure I'm really speaking clearly, authentically to that accent. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com So I have to ask you about the sex scenes. Mm -hmm. What is it like you're a mom you're alone in your closet reading hot dialogue between two characters who you are playing both sides of. What is that experience like? Because it sounds hilarious when I describe it to you like that to me. Well, it does. It's so funny. And and my poor husband, when I first started getting into romance, he's like, oh, oh, this is fabulous. But it's work. And at the end of the day, when I close the booth, the sex has stopped. I mean, not between me and my husband. That's a whole different issue. But <laughs> but it's, you know, I've left those characters, so they're not going to come to the dinner table feeling, I've got to, you know, do up my bustier. But it is hot and steamy in the studio, and I'm 100% there with everything, gone through it. And then when I leave it, it's done. It's like I've closed the book, you know, and, and you've left the room, and, and that world is left behind. But yes, I will throw myself <laughs> into those parts, too. Again, because you want to feel true to what the author has written. And she wants, she or he, you know, writes a tale that they want people to feel involved with and, and is real. And if I did the sex scenes dispassionately or that bit went flying and then he did this, <laughs> I think that'd be devastating. It's so wrong to <laughs> abuse the author's words in that part. And then for the listener to not feel like, wait, was that even sex? What happened there? <laughs> was that supposed to be hot? Ugh. So as a reader of romance, I obviously get to love certain couples more than others. And I do not even know the mindset of an actor. Is that kind of like taste, just like personal taste at all at play? Are you like, that book was awesome? Or are you like, nope, every role is equal? How, how does being an actor get you to think about the books that you are reading? It's funny, I had one well-known narrator, and he told me early on in the business, he's like, Justine, all these books will be your favorites. I said, really? But they won't be. He said, no, but they will be. <laughs> There's no bad book. You love them all. And you put as much effort into it, but there are definitely titles that you'll come away with and go, oh, I'm so sad. That series is done. And funny enough, for Julianne Long, it was The Everseas was one of yeah. those series that will forever stay with me. I loved that series. So, you know, you'll have connection 
for sure with characters, just like with a with a listener. There are some that will absolutely resonate and you'll take away forever, and others you can close the door and go, I was along for that ride, I loved it, but now I'm done. And perhaps it doesn't have the same resonance as some of these other titles. I'm wondering, just when you tell people what you do, and especially like men in the industry, I always just assumed that men in the industry were like, whatever, this brings in money. You got to do what you got to do. But I'm just cynical and projecting. So how do people respond? That's an interesting thing. I think romance for sure. Well, it's it's the number one moneymaker. Um, it's the number one genre selling out there. And I think people are waking up that romance is not just steamy bits with a little bit of a fake story loom. They're remarkable tales. I mean, these are people going through real travails and journeys, but then you're learning about their inner lives and their sex lives and their romance. And so I haven't encountered a stigma like that. I haven't encountered people going, oh, it's this kind of genre. If anything, people will be like, oh, oh, how do I get into that? <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting because I'm always, when you're in bookstores, I'm always curious as to who's standing in the romance aisle. And there's no one gender that's particular. There's no one age. It's such a wide range of people picking up romance novels that maybe 30 years ago, there might have been a smaller demographic that was reading that. But now it's across the spectrum, which is very exciting because these are incredible stories. And some of the most amazing authors like Sarah McLean, I mean, they're writing these incredible tales, right? Oh, I agree. Right? It's it's interesting. Now I know there, there are some places, too, with when they shelve books, they don't know how to put them just, how can you just say romance? But because it's this and this and this, it's almost like you need copies in all these other genres as well of the same book. <laughs> the only people out in the world who see me read books are doctors, right? Like I read while waiting for the doctor, and then the doctor comes in and you put your book down, and invariably the doctor will very politely ask, what are you reading? And if I am reading a romance novel... They will dissociate themselves from me as a reader as quickly as possible. They will be like, oh, I don't read romance or, oh, I'm a big reader, but never romance. I have literally had I've had one doctor who was like, oh, which one? And then we were like, oh, yes, Tessa Dare, Lisa Claypass, Alyssa Colt, right? Like we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But other than that, I find maybe doctors are just snobs. Yes, you need to start leaving some really choice romance in their waiting rooms and say, listen, by golly, let's, you read this next time I come in for my appointment. <laughs> let's discuss. <laughs> I, I mostly go to endometriosis doctors. I'm like, all of your patients are reading these and they're amazing. Yes. So another thing that I hear, I am a huge audiobook consumer. I think probably about 60% of the books that I read in a year, I listen to. And there are some people, some of them live in my house with me, who are like, well, you didn't read a book, you listened to a book. There is this like overall sense that if you listen to a book, you haven't really read it. I'm wondering your thoughts on that and why everyone is wrong. Well, they are. And, you know, it's well, first of all, I'm a voracious reader and obviously I, I work in this world, too. We're, when you think back to our first stories, they were oral, right? I mean, for centuries, we didn't have the ability to capture tales and pass them on and, and have them preserved like that. We relied on sharing stories through the spoken word. So I absolutely feel that that is a legitimate 
way to consume a book. I also think that depending on the title, sometimes you're getting more out of it listening. Like I've had a number of girlfriends who have tried to read a book and then they'll go to the audiobook and come away and go, oh, I got it, or I loved it, or I sat in my car for an extra <laughs> hour when I didn't need to because I wanted to keep listening. And they did not have that same sort of visceral reaction to the written word. I also think some of us absorb things differently. Some of us are oral retainers. Some of us are more visual. And one doesn't qualify as being superior to the other. We're all sharing a story. So... Pass that along to the members of your family or I'll <laughs> chat to them. <laughs> he's he's listening to this episode and he'll know. Okay, good. <laughs> like I know my boys, you know, they are they're voracious consumers of the written and uh, the audible word. I mean, my, my little guy, I always know where in the house he is because I can hear his audio book before I hear him. So I think storytelling, however you can consume it, is amazing. I also think... I'm just going to be a snob and say that why listening to books is sometimes better. Your eye skips ahead sometimes. If you're really anxious in a scene, you'll look just like by accident at the next page and be like, okay, they survive because their name is on the next page or whatever it is, right? And you can't do that in an audio book. And so there are moments when reading a physical book where this happens, but while listening to a book that I will like gasp. Because there's just no tricks of the eye that allow you to know what's coming. And also, often you don't quite know how much time is left, right? In a physical book, you always know how many pages are left. In an audiobook, if you're not looking at your device, you don't know. And so you're like, oh, my God, this character might die. And it's not like there are 80 pages left. He's not going to die. You're like, this might be the end. You might die right now. So I find it super engaging. And take that, snob slash Peter. <laughs> Not to name names. <laughs> but Peter. I like that, though. And, you know, it's funny. Um, we're such a fast-paced, let's-get-to-the-next-stage-already society that I think what you said, I've never thought of it like that, but you're forced to go on that whole journey without cheating, and there are no little side roads to take, or there's no assuaging yourself that, oh, yes, this will, this will end happily. Well, might not. So I really love that, and it's funny. I know for me, when I'm working, I always end each chapter— if there's suspense in that final moment or if there's a, a tinge of, could there be romance coming up next? What's going on? I end it with that intent thinking, well, the listener might be stopping right here. This is, this is where the author left stopped for a reason. There's blank space coming after before the next chapter. And I want to make sure that's really clear, too, to the listener that you need to take a pause, deep breath, and then we'll go on for the rest of the journey. <laughs> So the reason that we invited you on is because we had the joy of speaking to Julianne Long. So I'd love to hear you talk just a little bit about what that is like, if there's a particular series that you like of hers, if you've worked on many books of hers. Yes, I've had the pleasure of, of working on a few of her series. And I love, love the Everseas series. And I believe when I started the first one, I didn't know I was on for the whole ride. So I, got, I booked the first title and thought, this is amazing. And then the rest of them came my way. And I thought, oh, there's a whole world? 
And Julianne Long created a series where you loved every character, and they were so full that you'd close the book on on one and go, oh, I'm devastated. I love that journey. You know, and you always start the other one a little bittersweet, like, how can this compare to the first one? And then you're off on it running again going, oh, my God, it's just as good. I love them even more. Um, so she's an extraordinary writer. And I inhabited that world. You were in the streets of London and you were out there on the sea. And she was amazing because the scenery and the geography of this little town became so iconic. Uh, you know, I, became, I felt very emotionally vested in all these characters. They were physically and visually so real. She's just a treat treat of an author to record. Wow. Well, I fell in love with you doing Philippe's voice in It Started With a Scandal. So just so you know, I'm in love with you. Because <laughs> I'm in love with Philippe and you are Philippe. You and Julianne Long combined are Philippe. Oh, I love that. He was just so wonderful. So... That's the magic of beautiful storytelling. And, and I agree because I feel that as the actor in the room, you know, you go, oh, my God, I'm in love with this individual. Um, so you want that to come across, yes, you know, with your voice and how they are. And it's incredible. What a, what a dreamy journey, right? <laughs> well, thank you so much for reading them all to me because you have in a oh. too short period of time. Like everyone was getting annoyed. They were like, can you take off your head?" And I was like, no, I'm busy. So thank you. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. This was such a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. What a treat to meet you. I'm thrilled. I'll talk romance all day long. Long live love. (laughs) This week's episode of Hot and Bothered was executive produced by Ariana Nettleman and edited by Molly Baxter. We'd like to give a special thanks to Justine Eyre for taking the time to record with us today. I'm Vanessa Zoltan, and I'll talk to you soon. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.